Welcome to The Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. We ask you to please follow us at at Earl, E-H-R-L, bottom line, at Bob underscore Ehrlich, and at Kendall Ehrlich. Follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So welcome to our sixth episode. Very exciting. And we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Stop. We have a lot to talk about, a, a somber topic, and also uh, a couple other topics that are going to get you moving on, talking, that's for sure. Yeah, easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get it out there. The first topic is um, a topic that we knew one day we'd have to discuss, but we... Um, Wanted to postpone it as much as possible. My dad passed this week at 90 years old. He had come to live with us for the past 20 months. Mm-hmm. He was a terrific dad. Uh, he was a terrific father-in-law. <laughs> he was scared of you. Oh, he, he was great. was a United States Marine, Korea War he first marine division but he didn't talk about it very much he saw a lot of action during that war uh, he came back married my mom i'm an only son he was in the car business a car salesman commission only but really his job his profession was me and then us it started out with me only son and then grew to kendall and then josh and drew and we were his hobby <laughs> although he didn't want you to get married, and he certainly didn't want us to have children. <laughs> well, you were going to interfere. You were a complicating factor. Right, I know. You know. He was he was a guy that said no at first, and then came to the girlfriends you could you. deal with. The deal friends, uh, girlfriends you could deal with, but wife. Uh. And then of I, course, I was interfering <laughs> in the three tightest people I know, and that is the truth. There is no tighter bond than the three of you. And the greatest honor of your life was to be allowed in the circle of trust. It's true. By it Bob Senior. It was the Senior. biggest honor, no doubt. We will lay him to rest tomorrow. We will have um, a celebration of life in May in Arbutus, Maryland, my hometown. Uh, this is a pretty big deal for Marylanders. They got to know my dad pretty well throughout my very public career as a legislator, as a United States congressman, as a governor. I'm going to miss him a great deal. I love him. I just love him so much. And he really set a wonderful example for a dad in one, in many respects, but one major respect, the most important respect, conditionless love. And time. I mean, he gave you all of his time. And that's an important thing because in a culture where time is uh, very precious, unfortunately, we don't have too much time sometimes for the things that really matter. And he always did. What mattered was you and your mom and then us, of course, but he had that time. I'm not going to moralize. Um, we'll celebrate him li- his life in May and in May for many years to come, but... He taught me a lot of things. The most important thing he taught me, however, was with respect to the conditionalist love and raising a child, uh, a boy in this case, that nothing could make up for time. 
You know, we hear this phrase quality time and we've had very busy lives, very public lives. Uh, we've had very important careers and, busy, and lots busy of help careers. along the way we have. But when it comes to time, you don't get that little league game back. No. You always have another speech. There's always another Kiwanis club. There's another Lincoln day dinner, but you don't get that high school football game back. And what I learned from my dad was just that, that you can't make up for that. So to the extent you have a child, that child expects, wants you to be there for he or she, regardless of the performance, whether it's it's the first track meet, whether it's the first dance recital, whether it's the high school football game, whatever it is, uh, being there for your son or daughter is the single most important thing you do as a parent. And they continued it on with our kids. They were at everything. They got to know everyone. I mean, the outpouring of love from the different aspects of our lives, meaning politics, kids' sports, uh, the local county here, Baltimore County, certainly Arbutus, where they lived their whole lives mostly. And the outpouring of people and stories and interactions, it's just been really overwhelming and wonderful. As you always pointed out, they didn't want anything other than oh, our happiness. It is amazing. They they didn't want anything material, and they didn't have a lot materially. They didn't they didn't want it, didn't need it. it they're they're an incredible example of that. That's for sure. And um, you know, it, it's been wonderful to hear all of these stories and little impacts that he's had with so many people while you were being governor, the people, the staff and. And and the campaigning stories and all of it is really, really been special. They talk about the greatest generation, mostly with respect to World War II, but this was Korea. And as a kid, he was sent over there and saw some very serious things. He lost a lot of friends. And uh, the greatest trip of my life was to be able to go back to South Korea about 10 years ago, take my mom. There's a program wherein the government of Korea, particularly the ROC Marines, Republic of South Korea Marines, invite USGIs back. The USGIs literally who saved their country. That's wonderful. And it really was wonderful an incredible that they do that for us. And uh, I got to share it. It was about 10 years ago, and I'll never forget it. Rest in peace, Dada. We love you, and we'll be talking a lot about you in the coming months and years. You will never, ever leave us. The second issue uh, event we want to talk about is I going to be quiet on. (laughs) I've been listening most of this week because I don't have a really strong opinion. I don't care about this issue, but a lot of people do. A lot of Americans do. A lot of people around the world do. And, of course, I'm referring to the interview. Now, before I shut up, I will say this. We have very dear friends in London. Uh, I have loved the Brits from the very first time uh, I visited uh, the UK. Well, you've, you're... I'm a Churchill file. Right, exactly. You, you've studied... the country. So much about Churchill. I've read loved, every book. We've been there three or four times. Um, I just... We have personal friends at the whole nine yards. I love the country. The one thing I've never really gotten is the whole royal family the whole thing the the cliche is we fought a war to get away from this it's not a cliche it's the truth but 
With that being said, I'm going to shut up because Kendall Ehrlich wants to be heard on the great interview with Oprah. Well, first of all, women love the royals and the monarchy. The tradition, all of the um, pomp and circumstance, the weddings, the jewels, the rules. <laughs> the I jewels? Mean, why not? Oh, yeah, the jewels are very important. And so uh, I was very I have to say it was very predictable what was going to happen. I think that people's reaction, I'm going to cut across that mostly it was generational. I think uh, 30-somethings were probably very empathetic to the whiny couple, if you will. (laughs) And uh, I think others were just couldn't believe. I mean, what a PR disaster in my view. Uh, whoever thought this was a good idea, I hope they lost their job, especially in a time of COVID after this entire year to see these two extremely privileged, wealthy whiners about where they are in life. And listen, I think that there's some real issues in all of it, but let's start with Harry first. <laughs> Harry, the prince, who was an international playboy. And do you think he would have been if he hadn't been Prince Harry all all around the world, trotting around <laughs> with various women? You think they might have had a conversation about how terrible the British tabloids are. I mean, who doesn't know that the British tabloids are unmerciful? We know that because of his mother, Diana, and various other things, although I'll get to that in a minute because that's really apples and oranges her mother's predicament or not. And of course, I have all of my knowledge from watching The Crown, like everybody else (laughs) listening. (laughs) I take it as fact. I don't care what they say. I never watched The Crown. But, you know, I love the queen. I think she's one of the most fascinating people on the planet to have lived when she's lived Mm -hmm. through this particular time, the speed in which this time has changed, particularly in the last... 15 years, the internet and all that comes with it, all at her age. I think she has a charm about her. It's amazing. She is very much like you in taking an oath, taking the job completely seriously, what she had to done when she came of age to do it. Uh, I, I just think she's an amazing person. She's been unbelievable for the monarchy. And she... Prince William and Kate, everybody loves Kate. Maybe that's part of the problem. She certainly can handle herself and do that well. And I am not saying that there aren't real mental health issues. Not unlike in politics. If people are not prepared for politics, I get why Betty Ford became an alcoholic. Now, can I say something? Yes. And I don't want to say much, believe me. But you've made this point, and I think it's legit. Relating it to our experience at dating, uh, you knew I wanted to get into politics. I was strep about it. You did not want that life. We broke up. You were heartbroken, okay? I was. You made a really bad decision by breaking up with me. I appeared at your door at midnight one night with 10 reasons why you should reconsider a life in politics. This is a true story. Why you should reconsider a life in politics. You bought it. And you understood when we got married that there may be a lot of of publicity and public in your Life. Married life, correct? So you thought about it. We talked about it. You cried about it. We debated it. We discussed it. Right. And you you made this point to me this week in this context that she didn't know it was going to be difficult. Right. 
Exactly. But with that also comes the amazing, did she love that however many millions of hundreds of millions of people were watching on their wedding day? Was that good for her? Does she love being out and having people admire her and to be a role model? I mean, where's the line drawn? Well, there came a time where she strongly felt she could not handle it and good for her. So they stepped back and made a decision as a family to step aside. Well, when you step aside from that privilege, then, you know, some of the perks from that privilege go away. It's, you know, the Superman thing. With great powers comes great responsibility. (laughs) And when you can't do that or handle it or decide to walk away, okay, well, then, you know, if you want your child to have a security team around them, then you need to provide that. And I I thought about all the people who were watching thinking, you've stepped away from your duties. You're not going to do that. That's fine. Well, then, you know, why do you think you deserve, again, this sort of privileged, uh, entitled, 30-something crowd? Can I ask you a question? Did did she – I didn't watch this, so I'm asking you this question. I really don't know. Did she – despite the fact that she walked away, they walked away – she still wants the security. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, All yeah. Right. They wanted. Right. That's originally why I think they wanted to kind of step out with their toe in uh, and went to Canada thinking, well, if we go to where the Commonwealth still <laughs> exists, that they could still get a little, you know, some perks. And I think the, <laughs> the firm, as they called it, which I thought was really interesting in the interview, they thought they called it the firm. I was like, what? Is Tom Cruise going to pop out of here? What? The firm? Because oh, that's always a law firm for us. But at any rate, so it, it was just, I think that it was disappointing on so many levels. And really, Harry, it, you know, where's your man card on this one? I think that a lot of people thought, come on, it's one thing to be supportive, but you've had this special training. You've had all of this uh, that you knew there was going to be representation. Also, uh, Megan complained about that the their child would not have a title. Well, that those are the rules, by the way. Yeah, people Until didn't understand Charles that. becomes king, then her child has a title. I didn't I mean, know this, folks. These rules are incredibly <laughs> intricate. We don't know all of them. There's experts in it. Uh, but, you know, it's part of the fun. I mean, that's it. They've decided to go away. So your point to me is, and to our listeners, is that she was complaining about a rule that she knew existed. Exactly. And... Again, the security would go away. Right. And so I I don't know where that was. And I was, you know, of course, we were all disappointed in Oprah uh, because... Now, she she, got some credit for asking some difficult questions. She had a few difficult questions, but she didn't say the classic question of, you know, your detractors would say Mm -hmm. that everything I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. you know, and put it in some sort of question that that you're just being spoiled, that you should have known. If you didn't know, you should have. Mm -hmm. And, and how is it that you – did you think that the, that the British tabloids were going to be in – you know, just bring you nice in? Nice to and, you. And adore you and uh, endearing to you? I don't think so. So anyway. All right. We have some real issues to discuss here. So no, no, is there, wait, would you wait, conclude – or you get, still have yeah, more notes? Oh, my God. She's got like 10 pages of notes here. I saw her in there writing furiously. Or she was watching, talking to herself. Anyway, so. I, if – if yes. I were in charge of the monarchy right now, I would put <laughs> Kate forbid. out there quickly because we love her. We think it's great. And I feel very bad for Harry and uh, Megan. But I think that who ca- I've come to your conclusion. Who cares? 
Hopefully we're not going to hear from them again. We don't need to hear from them again. We hope they have a nice life with their chickens we and wish their them new the baby. Best. Good luck to them and their family. Okay. Now, there's a real issue out here these days. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of real and, issues. Uh, it's called COVID, a COVID quote-unquote relief package. Uh, $1.9 trillion, nine, fully 9% of which is actually about COVID. Uh, this 9%, week, terrible. We saw this bill pass. Uh, on a straight line party vote, unlike the, by the way, Trump era, where numerous COVID bills had bipartisan support. This was a straight line, as I said. Uh, it may not be the last COVID relief bill, according mm-hmm. to Democratic leadership, in fact. That, that was the news from yesterday. Our debt is skyrocketing. Nobody's talking about it. By the way, that's a bipartisan criticism. Uh, so... It's easy to govern like this. You stick a lot of uh, peripheral, uh, non-germane spending into a bill that most people support. Obviously, most people support relief for COVID, particularly for small businesses and get the schools open and all that. But you stick a lot of non-germane stuff in there because it's a Christmas tree and you wrap it all up and you don't have to worry about niceties like regular order and debate and getting real information out to the American people. But you have a majority in both houses and Democratic Party, so you railroad it through and that's exactly what happened. Any comment there, Mrs. Ehrlich? It's, it's so depressing. It's so depressing that they would have another bill that they haven't covered enough. You know, it's really interesting. The American people just want to go back to work. They want to work. And they just want the opportunity to open up and to go back to work. And in states where they're opening up, it's working. Their economies are coming back. People can get, uh, you know, people are able to get their livelihoods and have control of their livelihoods. That's all they've wanted really most of the time. It's not about the handout. An extra 600 bucks, 1200 bucks, whatever it is, is not how they want to live their life for the most part. What's interesting, uh, according to a lot of the economic reports from the states that came out this week, is that obviously COVID had a huge impact on our economy, but not as deep in many states as people thought. So a lot of the Republicans are running around Capitol Hill saying, we don't really need this much money now. Basically what you just said, let's just open up. Let's get the economy going again. Let's get small business back in operation. Let's get hiring going again. Let's see the magic of capitalism again. People forget how strong this economy was a year ago today, right before the shutdown. So this was a Christmas tree. It was a huge spending bill, railroaded through, thousands of pages. Nobody really knows what's in it. Uh, very few provisions actually had to do directly with COVID. But again, these days in Washington, these days on Capitol Hill, when you have, and by the way, the Republicans would be doing the same thing if they had the House of Senate and the presidency, you're going to just railroad through what you want. And particularly given the fact that Democrats have gone so far left, so far progressive left, that President Biden, the old liberal, has now agreed to allow the country or force the country to go that hard left. Uh, You're going to get results like this, and it's going to be a long 16, 18 months until the midterm elections. Also interesting that there's no mention about the federal workforce, of which he oversees, and when is the federal workforce getting back? I, I say that because after having been in Washington uh, for, I don't know, almost two years, uh, I think that what's really sad are these commuter towns of Washington, New York, 
New York basically the money money town mm-hmm. and Washington DC being federal government to get these workforces back because the economy and the trickle down effect of getting people back into those towns. We were just recently in town and it's depressing. Also, enough already with the fences. Please, this is America. Take down the fences. We don't need barbed wire. It's despicable. Just stop. So we're going to do a little bit of a short, brief show this week. We obviously have a lot going on in our lives. Uh, Next week, we're going to get into an issue that is impacting our country in a very real, very tangible way, which is the mess at the border. And it is a mess. I'll just leave everyone with the old uh, economic lesson. When you subsidize anything, a good or a behavior, you tend to get more of it. And when you subsidize illegal immigration, you're certainly getting more of it today. So we're going to be talking a lot about immigration our next show. Again, we thank you for listening. It's been really fun coming back, uh, really doing our old radio show, just our opinions, talking together, living together, uh, interpreting life together, particularly politics. We wanted to uh, just do a brief show this week, obviously, to, to talk about my dad and to talk about a little bit about what's going on in our country. And, of course, you had to be heard and on the pop interview. culture. Exactly. So thanks, everybody, for listening to us, and we'll see you again next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.